Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's show. Got a great guest in Anthony Jang, co-founder of VinoVest, which is a wine marketplace that allows you to invest in wine as an asset class. As you guys know on the Millionaire Mindcast, we always love to look at all the different ways of building businesses, building wealth, and the different vehicles that you can leverage to unlock more income, more wealth, and really get yourself to a level of financial freedom that allows you to live life on your terms. And this was a really cool, interesting interview. One, from hearing about his story of dropping out of college after winning the Peter Thiel Fellowship Award, getting a $100,000 grant to start and launch his startup company and how that ended up getting acquired and then how that set him up for success and really all the learning lessons that he leveraged into launching VinoVest and understanding that this marketplace of investing in wine has really some exciting opportunities and really cool to hear the mechanics and the strategy and how they go about identifying what wines to invest in or what champagnes to invest in, what kind of returns are investors seeing, what are some of the pros and cons of investing in this asset class, the changing dynamics of the industry and the landscape due to climate change and other interesting variables that you know make a difference or could impact uh, in a good and a bad way. Uh, wine as an investment vehicle. He talked about some of the different risks, some of the different upsides, the trends, the research that goes into this, how they store and protect the wines and the asset class. It's very, very interesting to see how alternative investments like this are gaining more and more traction, especially as we see certain volatility in the marketplace or investors, retail investors, just becoming more open-minded to uh you know, the creative ways that you can go ahead and either preserve and store wealth or grow your wealth. So I think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. Anthony, super sharp dude, shared some really cool stuff. Uh, we'll be sure to link up all of the resources and, you know, links that he noted in the show on Millionaire Mindcast uh, on Anthony's show notes. Um, but with that being said, really fun episode, learning about wine as an investment that really was only available to the ultra wealthy uh, and people who had those types of connections in the industry and space only a few years ago and how they are really pioneering and disrupting this industry and this space and giving more access to the retail investor and people that are interested in this type of asset class. So with that being said, I don't want to waste any more time. Let's dig into today's episode with Anthony Jang of VinoVest right after this quick message from today's show sponsors. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. 
These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers, leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales, and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Well, I'm excited to welcome to the show, Anthony Jang of VinoVest. How are we doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Good to be on your chat with you. All I know is uh, your background is making me want to just pop open a nice bottle of wine right now. And uh, yeah, right. We should have done this recording a little bit later in the day. I know. Sir, I mean, is it ever too early to start drinking wine? I mean... So that's a good question for us all, right? <laughs> I think it definitely depends on the day. I agree. I agree. Well... I'm excited to dig in with you on one, you know, VinoVest and, you know, talking about being that we've got a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs who listen to the show, you know, one, your journey in terms of, you know, launching and having the success that you've had through VinoVest, but two, being that we have many investors and wealth builders that listen to the show, um, how wine is, you know, a very growing and profitable asset class that many people don't necessarily look at as much. And it seems like the space continues to expand and grow. And so understanding from your perspective, what some of those opportunities look like in the landscape, but where did your journey start, brother? Yeah. So um, even even before wine or investing in wine, um, I've always known that I wanted to become an entrepreneur. So my goal, you know, when I was a kid, I was like, all right, I want to go to a, a great school so that I can you know, get a great job out of school and then go to a great MBA program and learn how to run a business and then run a business. Um, turns out that's that's really not the the path for most business owners. It just kind of, for me, it, it happened uh, my freshman year of college. I started a, a side hustle um, that turned into a full a full time hustle, I guess, uh, and and a real company. So it was a food delivery outlet boy now, and our premise was simple, right? We just wanted to deliver food in the fastest, friendliest way. And because we were focused only on college towns and college markets, we decided that the best way to do that was to have our workforce be 100% students. So that gave us that sort of competitive edge with students having ID card access where others didn't. And on average, we were able to deliver food just almost 10 minutes faster. Um, so in food delivery, that's really the name of the game, right? right. If your review is faster, they're going to pick you no matter... How much fancy branding you have, or how much you know crazy technology you have under the hood, it's simple as that. Um, so, had a really great opportunity to actually drop out of college uh, with a fellowship award called the Teal Fellowship, where Peter Teal granted me a hundred thousand dollars to pursue that business, drop out of school, and take it full time. And that's what I did. And it was a pretty amazing journey of about four years of learning a ton, making a ton of mistakes, but we scaled. We were able to scale up to 20-something markets nationwide before we got acquired. And it was after that first acquisition where I started 
I think placing more focus on uh, my investments and in, in building wealth. Um, and in my journey of exploring, like, all right, I got my stocks, I got my bonds, like what else, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I want to diversify and want to figure out other places where I can be able to park my money. And um, it was just this article that caught my attention in the Wall Street Journal one day. It was talking about how the ultra wealthy people were investing in these 10 assets and they were luxury asset classes. So they're really out of the reach of like a normal average Joe like I was. So I remember at the top of that list, it was like investing in art, investing in jewelry, investing in classic cars, wine and whiskey. And to me, the, the thing that I think uh, I was really able to grasp on was the wine and whiskey part, right? Because like we've all, we all, we've all drank that. Yeah, everybody likes good spirits, right? Yeah, I definitely um, was not as much into the classic cars or jewelry or art. And I was like, all right, well, this sounds pretty cool. I know that as wine ages, it gets better and more expensive. So if I could buy wine when it's young, age it, and then sell it when it's old and more expensive, seems like a pretty easy you know, premise from a fundamental standpoint. And if I'm not an amazing wine investor, at least I have a bunch of nice wine I can drink or share with friends. Right. So it's really not the worst worst case that uh, can come from an investor scenario right right now. We've got tech stocks down 80% and investors just left holding the bag. Um, really, really uh, quickly realized why only ultra-wealthy people could invest in wine. It's because it just takes so much work and resources from, from not even knowing where to store the wine properly to ensuring that wine, to acquiring and selling it, which is going through auctions for the most part. It was really, really cumbersome. And it helps me realize that, all right, looks like there's definitely a problem here, right? Why is there this quality asset class that people have been investing in for decades, even centuries, so hard, right? It's it's uh, really, the process hasn't changed in hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to first make a solution for myself to make it easier. But then as I started getting more and more into it, this, this sort of hobby and passion that I was doing on the side really became more of an obsession. I was like, all right, well, I think this needs to be my next company. Dude, I love that. I always, usually when you hear really cool business models or ideas, one, it's obviously something that is solving a problem in the marketplace, right? The barrier of entry or our access to the opportunity was was very restrictive compared to what VinoVest has created. And we'll talk a little bit more about your guys' model and what that looks like. But it often comes from people's like passions, right? And like mm-hmm. desires of like, I just want to solve this for myself. And then like, oh, snap, we got thousands and thousands and thousands of other people who, you know, have the same problem. I just wasn't necessarily thinking about it at that time. So how did you go from taking that passion, right? And and that idea to an actual business? So my co-founder Brent and I, it was, I think just during one weekend, we were like, all right, how do we validate this in the cheapest and fastest way possible? Um, he's got a, a pretty amazing design background. So he was able to whip up you know, a landing page using one of those no-code sites and really just show like, all right, like invest in wine, join our wait list. Ran, I think about $300 worth of Facebook ads, just pretty broad targeting to that landing page. And we got a few hundred signups. I was like, great. Um, I ended up emailing and asking to jump on a call with every single one of those signups and just getting to learn more about um, what intrigued them enough to click on the landing page, why they're signing up, what their expectations are, and also how much money they would put into an asset class like wine. 
and how much they would be expected to be charged. At the end of that experiment, we had nearly half a um, million dollars worth of like expected commitments. So Brent and I were like, wow, this is pretty cool. Let's let's actually build it. Let, let's fulfill the promise that we've given to all these people. And and uh, we had enough confidence and demand to, to take that first step. I love that you brought that up though, because I think that's something that is a missing step for a lot of people, right? Is you pulled your customers. Yeah, like Before you go and invest all of this time and money and resources into building something that you don't you think is a good idea, but does the marketplace really think it's a good idea? The fact that you guys pulled your customers, you got intimate with what type of problem and or value or opportunity you saw there, that was kind of what validated taking the next steps, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because without that, I think we could... We could have been spending tens of thousands of dollars trying to build something that we had no sort of feedback from the real world to give us, hey, are we on the right track? Are we not on the right track? And also just, you know, I think uh, to your point, a, a mistake that a lot of folks uh, may fall into. Yeah. That they need something perfect before they talk to a customer. So talk about that progression and what some of the learning lessons from your exit, you know, or your acquisition on the first business and what were some of those things now looking back as a CEO and a founder have been so critical for you this second go around that you doubled down on that really led to the growth and success that Vinovest is having right now. Yeah, I think the the first thing that we really learned was really establish your cultural identity as a company early. Um, with my first company, I, I founded it with my college roommate. Our first two other uh, co-founders were uh, people who lived right across the dorm room hallway. Nice. Um, we were great friends, right? And we thought that, all right, like we get along great together. We do everything together. Like that's that's our culture. Um, but it's it's so much more than that, right? When you hire start hiring people that you don't know, people across the country, right? People who, who are at different stages of lives. Um, you need to be able to have that company DNA be very, very obvious because it's it's the type of workplace environment, it's the attitude, and it's sort of the mindset of the company. Mm. So that was something that Brent and I just spent a lot of time in the early days being like, all right, what do we want Vinovest to represent? What do we? What are the values that we want to push forward that we think will will help um, us create the best company? So that was something that uh, I'm, I'm really glad that we we spent the time to do early on and and didn't really take any shortcuts on in the early days. And how would you suggest someone do that for their own company? Like what did that process and framework look like for you guys? So, you know, luckily we've been a part of a few other companies that had cultural values or, you know, values decks that we started being like, all right, I liked this about that company, but let's let's kind of tweak it to ourselves, right? And there's also, I think a few other really famous examples of, of, of cultural values, like the Netflix sort of culture values, is is very very well known, right? There's decks all online, and a lot of them, a lot of companies on their jobs pages or hiring pages uh, show them, right? Their pillars that they stand by. So yep. uh, we we did a lot of um, kind of uh, almost crowdsourcing all of these ideas, and we had maybe like twenty or so values of like, oh, these are cool, and then we realized like, okay, maybe this one could be blended into this one. Yep. I don't really like how this is phrased. Let's sort of rethink it this way. But um, that's that's kind of how we were able to gather our initial pool and then kind of narrow it down to something that really felt like us. I love it. Yeah, that that's kind of how we did it for uh, my hotel company. Same wow. thing. And it was like, 
what do we want to keep? What do we want to kill? What do we want to combine, right? And how do you kind of get to that, that final um, list of, of core values? And one of the things I've always found too is like when you're clear on what those core values are, you literally communicate almost everything through the core values, whether it's like reprimanding somebody of being out of alignment with the core values, it's acknowledging and rewarding people for being in alignment and carrying out the core values. The core values are what attract or repel, right? People within your culture. Um, That really makes a big difference in going further faster with the right people in your organization. And obviously you guys have continued to grow rapidly over the last few years, up to 50 employees. So Let's talk about VinoVest. Like, what is VinoVest and how does this apply to the, let's say, retail investor? Yeah. So, VinoVest is the easiest way to diversify into investing in wine. So, we've got a platform where any investor, regardless of how much they know about wine or investing, can fill out a few quick questions. We'll help them actually build a portfolio of wines. And these are real bottles of wine that we're sourcing from wineries, right? So we're actually acquiring those bottles of wine. We're storing them for you in our facilities. And we're also insuring them and giving you education on you. Like, all right, Matt, you just threw $1,000 in the wine. Here are the bottles we bought for you in wine, right? And, and being able to track it just like any other part of your portfolio, whether it be you know real estate or crypto or any sort of other alternative. And uh, that's... Um, that's what we're hoping to do and make it really dead easy, right? It doesn't need to be that complicated to invest in something. But I think the the education and then the learning that comes along with it is is a really big part of what we do as well. I'm curious, who is your average investor or or customer? You know, what is kind of their background? Is it just like, hey, I love wine, so this sounds cool? Or are you starting to see people that are going like the economics makes sense? in this asset class. And therefore, I'm starting to invest in wine. And that's becoming a part of my investment portfolio. Yes. I think it's a bit of both, right? Um, there's some people that are like, hey, I, I love wine and I love to invest. So it's kind of that like double whammy for them. Yep. Others, we've got quite a few people who don't even drink or drink wine. And they're like, hey, the, the numbers look good to me, right? I'm not drinking this wine. I don't care, right? I'm just going to invest in it because I believe in the fundamentals. So we've got sort of two camps of folks. And um, for us, you know, either either is a good reason, right? A lot of people want to invest in things that represent them or that they're passionate about. Other people are a lot more methodical, right? They're like, hey, I don't care if it's red or white or green, as long as it makes me money. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. So let's talk about maybe some of the economics and engineering of the investment itself. What does kind of, I guess, what are the different you know, um, options of investing with VinoVest and, you know, what are the mechanics of it? Yeah. So um, in terms of the mechanics of just wine, the reason why it's a good investment and the reason why it's gone up around 10, 12% a year for the past few decades is that wine ages and as it ages, it gets better, right? And more people just uh, prefer the taste of aged wine. Um, So you have that sort of long lifeline of that wine as it gets better as, as, a, as a product. The other thing that helps compound that is simple supply and demand. Right? As, as years goes by, there's just less of the old stuff around because people have consumed it when it's younger. So you yeah. have that sort of not, even, not only a fixed supply, but a decreasing supply for a product that is deemed to be better in the market size. 
So for us, we just want to be able to pick the wines that have a track record for their, you know, maybe the previous vintages of wines that have gone up in value, um, pick them at the right time, store them, make sure that they're in great condition while they're being aged in, in our storage facilities and monitor the markets for it when, when that sort of demand starts spiking up. And there's two options that we can give our investors today. The first is more of a managed option where we're doing all of the heavy lifting. We have a really great team of wine experts as well as data scientists that are leveraging a lot of data to be able to make these decisions for you. Nice. Three hands off. Most of our investors choose this because they're so new to the space. And you know, if we gave them a list of 100 wines, they would not really know where to start. Um, but on the other hand, we also have an open marketplace. So this means that for people who do like the feeling of having more control over their investments, say, you know, if you're trading on you know, TD or trading on Robinhood, you like to pick your own stocks, right? So it's the same thing, right? We give you the data, we give you the charts, the analysis for you to be able to make your own decisions on thinking, all right, I think this, you know, this region I'm bullish on for regions, for reasons A, B, C, um, I'm going to buy these wines. So um, those are the two options we have for the more active or the more passive investor today. That's amazing, man. And what, what would you say, obviously you guys don't um, promise or, you know, tell any specific returns, but what are maybe, you know, some average returns that people investing in wine are seeing that have been invested over the last couple of years? Yeah. So I can definitely talk to historicals. Um, last year in 2021, uh, after fees, our average investors wine appreciated by about 17 and a half percent. It's crazy. In, in 2020, it was around 14 and a half percent after fees. So the sort of like low to mid teens is what we've uh, what we've kind of seen to be um, a pretty good benchmark as as um, as we think that there's there's quite a lot of positive factors also influencing the wine market that that have us be pretty optimistic for these next three to five years. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast. And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's my first. 50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. 
Yeah, I was going to say, what are, what are some of the trends that you guys are seeing that maybe are, are upsides that people can capture? And maybe what are some of the risks of the space, the industry that you guys are working on mitigating? Yeah, so I think uh, perhaps the, the biggest double-edged sword is climate change. Right At the end of the day, this is an agricultural product. And uh, the folks creating the wine and farming the grapes are really at the mercy of nature. Yep. Um, in recent years, we have seen a lot of really volatile weather, right? You're hearing about Napa Valley having a lot of fires, and they've had fires five years in a row that have damaged the supply. But what happens when supply goes down, right? Demand goes up, and um, these, these wines, even though they're being released in smaller quantities, are spiking up in price. And not just the most recent harvest, the stuff that's been around for a few years, because uh, for folks who you know, can't buy up enough of the new stuff, they're going to start going to the older stuff. Yep. And, um, on, an, on an opportunity level, this means that a lot of wine regions that previously may have been unsuitable for growing wine, right? Their, their climates are changing. That means that places that may have been a little bit colder are starting to be able to produce wine. And if you're looking for your sort of equivalent of like emerging market stocks um, in the wine world, this is it, right? You're able to see, you know, even people in Norway are making wine. Right. And it's crazy to start seeing that in, in colder regions as well. So um, it's both both a threat and an opportunity for us. And then in terms of other risks, I think they're more so on a practical level, right? Like there's storage risk. If you don't store the wine properly, it could go bad, right? And that's yep. an easy way for your investment to go to zero. Um, and then the other risk is, is counterfeiting. So like a lot of luxury goods... Um, you know, like artwork or like handbags. There's a lot of counterfeiting in the wine world as well. Interesting. Um, by working directly with wineries or trusted parties and not from just, you know, random garage sales or estate sales. Right. So I think mitigate a lot of that as well. Interesting. That's super cool, man. I love hearing about some of that stuff that you guys are paying attention to. In terms of just some of your own personal opinions, what are some of your favorite wine investments that you've invested in yourself that have produced great returns? And maybe what are some of your favorite wines to drink as well? Great. Great. Love your question. Um, in terms of the, the wines that I've been investing in past three to five years that have been, I think my top performers, it's been a lot of vintage champagne. So ah. things like, um, you know, from well-known brands like Dom Perignon to I think more smaller quantity ones like, like Krug, for example, those are two wines that on average over the past three to five years have given 20 plus percent returns. Um, and that's also a big factor of climate change. Um, mm-hmm. These regions uh, like Champagne in France have been hit pretty hard with, with weather that is, is reducing the supply. And because Champagne takes quite a while to age, right? Like with Dom Perignon, your most recent harvest that you're going to see on their shelves at the grocery store are like 2013. So it takes like almost 10 years to do that. And the demand can't really catch up, right? If people are yeah. wanting champagne, Don Perignon can't go back nine years back in time and make more, right? So yeah. it's a, it's that sort of lag problem that we see that you know also, I think, has affected the whiskey market, right? You're seeing Japanese whiskey be almost impossible to find because 30, 40 years ago, they didn't realize people would love Japanese whiskey as much as they do. So that's, that's I think, some of the factors that have been really exciting for me uh, in in region of champagne in particular, um, and to drink, um, I'm definitely a, a big 
a big lover of white burgundy wines. So um, especially since it's really hot now in LA, I've been drinking a lot of wines from Chablis. It's like a really crisp white that pretty much pairs well with anything from like fish, chicken, cheese. Like, you know, you want to have like an outdoor sort of, you know, picnic or outdoor lunch. I think that's been a really great pairing for, for me recently. I love it. Now, what what is kind of the investment strategy look like in terms of like you make the investment what are the hold times you know what are kind of some of the investment strategies you've seen some of your you know seasoned wine investors you know following in terms of getting in cycling out you know dollar cost averaging you know more of kind of the the tactical side of like how do i really continue to grow and you know, protect my investments in mm-hmm. the wine the wine space. So I think most folks have a pretty long term outlook, at least five years. Um, and I think the reason why is that the aging process, no one can really speed up or slow down. To you, yeah, right. right. It just takes time for that bottle to age, and also takes time for global consumption to do its thing and and draw down on this. When I think it comes to other tactical um, strategies. A lot of people do want to diversify within the asset class as well. So it's not like if you love champagne, you're going 100% of your portfolio on champagne, right? Just like you want to be able to diversify with stocks, with your like large cap or, or growth stocks or emerging market stocks. People want to put the bulk of their portfolio in steady, stable regions like you know Napa Valley or Bordeaux or yep. Champagne and Burgundy, regions that have been around for hundreds of years as the sort of like tier of wine, and they're not really going to go away in the next mm-hmm. five, 10 years as well. And then put a portion, maybe a smaller portion of some of these like up and coming, right? Maybe it's a, a winery that has a new winemaker, a changed ownership, right? That, that usually alters the trajectory of that winery a lot or a brand new region, uh, like maybe one of the, the ones that, um, you know, climate change is, is potentially helping to make more popular as well. Makes total sense. Now, in terms of, you know, you're, you mentioned your investment portfolio, right? I know you're somebody that obviously has had successful exits and building businesses and, you know, wealth building focused as well. What are some of your wealth building strategies and some of the things that you're focusing on with the current landscape and maybe where you think we're heading with, uh, you know, what variables we're seeing in the economy right now? Yeah. Oh boy. It's definitely been a rough, rough six months for us all, um, you know, with, with when I was starting out building my investment portfolio, right? It was pretty traditional, right? Stocks and bonds. Um, you know, a few years ago started diversifying into real estate, especially, you know, rental income generating real estate that could help to provide some tax offsets and benefits as well. Yeah. And then um before um, you know, b- before VinoVest, I was also full-time in the cryptocurrency industry. So mm. I have uh, a pretty big allocation of either companies that I've worked for in, in, in that equity. So it's still kind of in the crypto space, but also private equity. And then also holding more liquid tokens, like you know, your, your, large, your large cryptocurrencies that have certainly taken quite the nosedive. I was going to say, you know, based on what, I just, what happened yesterday, depending on when we released this episode, right? There was a big, big dip oh in, the, in the crypto space. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the crypto space and, and where it's headed over, let's just say, the next 12, 24 months? Yeah, I think it's definitely going to get worse before it's going to get better. Um, you know, some of the, I think some of the biggest supporters of crypto have been saying like, "All right, it's a great hedge against inflation, right? It's not correlated with the markets, but you know, 
we're seeing it's pretty damn correlated with the market. So right. That's, um, part of part of it is because investors are irrational, right? If, yeah. if inflation is going up, you should be going toward assets like Bitcoin that have a fixed supply and can be deflationary. But um, you know, people are very emotional, especially with a lot of volatility. So I think um, that is kind of a big reason why. Um, and a lot of the um, retail investors that maybe joined in the past two, three years who have never really seen a downturn like this yeah. are going to be shaken out. So yeah. I think there's going to be a big shift in people's mindsets and they have to be comfortable with be like, all right, you know, you can brag about your 300% gains, but you also got to be able to stomach the 80% losses, right? So yeah, uh, I think that sort of education, unfortunately, it's going to be the hard way for most people. That education needs to kind of like set place in most people's minds before I think the the market caps of a lot of these cryptocurrencies can start to rebuild. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. It's funny, right? Uh, how many people thought they were experts when they're just riding in that market, but mm-hmm. don't understand uh, you know, how to weather the storm and, you know, financially. And, and I think at the end of the day, you mentioned a key word that I think all at least from the amazing people that we interview on the show and you know successful individuals they're all playing long, right? Like they know that mm-hmm. there's going to be peaks and valleys, but at the end of the day, this is a, a crockpot mentality versus a microwave mindset. And, you know, mm-hmm. you got to, with the good, you got to take the bad too. Um, but if you're allocated, right, you got the right strategies, you got the right counsel around you, right? And you're just consistently executing on what those strategies are long-term, you're going to be way further ahead than, right, if you're playing these in and out short-term timing type of games. Yeah, because it's stressful too, right? Like people, unless you're a professional, you know, trader or or someone like that, right? You you need so much information to consume and to be able to really keep up. And yeah. a lot of us are busy, right? We want to be with our families, want to be exploring the world. And I think being able to kind of zoom out a little bit, even though it's really hard, like yeah, me too. Like sometimes I look, I'm like, oh shit, this is <laughs> right. Yeah, I want to do something, but. Sometimes just got to sit on my hands and be like, all right, the best thing to do is just to ride it out, go out for a walk with my wife and dog and just enjoy life. Absolutely. I love it. So a lot of people, me included, are going to be interested in like, man, VinoVest, wine investing. This this sounds interesting. How do we learn more? What are the next steps if people want to, you know, engage with you guys and, you know, either educate themselves further or they want to make an investment? What's the best place for them to do that? So the best place is going to be um, either just emailing me directly. I'm anthony at minovest.co. Happy to answer any questions that people may have. I realize it's you know brand new. It was brand new for me just a few years ago. I didn't even know it existed. And now I'm you know, in, in the space and um, our website as well, minovest.co. We've got um, you know, webinars that happen a few times a month for folks who want to be more active and ask their questions. Or we'll also do one-on-one calls with, with anyone. Uh, because we realize that you know, with a lot of investments, I don't think enough companies do a good job with properly giving the investor a chance to be educated. Mm. Uh, a lot of them are just focused on like getting as many people in with as many dollars as possible. But uh, people get hurt, right? You see what happened with Robinhood and its margin trading, you know, fiasco, and and certainly with crypto, right? People are just yep. not really fully understanding before they dive in. Yeah. Uh, so we want to be able to give everybody that chance for like one-on-one consultation or a group consultation if you want to do a one-on-one call in a way to be like, hey, I've had the opportunities to learn. This is what I feel comfortable with and, and get in there because um, you know this is 
a piece of your portfolio. You use it however you like, depending on what else you have invested. And I think that's kind of the proper way to be able to, to build the company. I love it. You know, answering questions, making sure, you know, suitability is there for the investors, you know, making them equipped with the right tools and, and information to make the best decision for them going forward is only going to create that that trust and, and value. So I love what you guys are doing, Anthony. I'm definitely going to be checking it out. I'm looking forward to staying in touch with you guys. Uh, anybody that has more interest and wants to engage, we'll have all those links and the resources uh, at millionairemindcast.com on the show notes for uh, Anthony's episode. Brother, thank you for your time today. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. This was a blast. Thank you so much. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you share it with somebody else who maybe needs to hear this today or that could gain some value from something that was talked about or discussed in today's interview. You just never know one piece of information, a conversation, a tool, a resource can completely transform and change the trajectory of someone's life or their business. So if you get any kind of value or you want to support the show, all we ask is that you help us organically get this in front of more people. Also, for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey and unlock more financial freedom, get more time back and just level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to therichlifeacademy.com to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, courses from our guests, all kinds of free content, downloads, checklists, upcoming event info and how you can connect with us live in person, all kinds of great valuable tools. You can get that over at therichlifeacademy.com. Last but not least, I always wanna know, who do you guys wanna hear me interview next? Let me know, shoot me a text at 844-447-1555. With that being said, until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friend.